Hey folks, this is your host Aiden here at the top of the show with a brief apology for some audio issues. You may hear some clicking in this episode due to some soundboard problems we've had here in the studio. That's all, thanks for listening, and here is our episode on Wes Craven's Scream 2. Welcome back to Cinema Adventure. We're a movie podcast where every week we sit down and have a discussion about a film. This week we're going with one of Blake's picks, and it's... <laughs> that was a lot of pressure. Uh, the pick for this week is Scream 2, directed by Wes Craven, and the sequel to Scream, if you didn't guess. If you didn't guess. I like <laughs> Wes Craven's name because it sounds like the name that a serial killer would have. It's such a scary name, like Craven. It sounds like Raven. Yeah, which is funny because Craven, I mean, maybe it's just like you're pregnant and you're craving potatoes, but in this context, somehow scary. Yeah. Not sure how we did it. Yeah. It's like, like uh, the the other Wes whose movies we've done is like oh, true. not scary. No, he's definitely not scary. Wes Craven, though, like, I mean, he's directed a few things that are not horror, but I always just automatically assume that it's going to be horror just because his name. Would you, just... would you consider Scream 2 horror? I guess. It's more of a horror comedy. But he's definitely, I mean, he's done, like, horror yeah. trademark. Yeah, Hills Have Eyes, Last House on the Left. Nightmare on Elm Street. Nightmare on Elm Street. He's a bigwig. Tell me you've seen Nightmare on Elm Street. I've not. I've seen... Really? <laughs> this is why I'm bad. I haven't seen Nightmare on Elm Street, but I have seen the 1994 New Nightmare sequel that's kind of, like, in the same vein as Scream, kind of a self-referential sort of comedy. not seen the original. you got to see the original. I should. It's I feel great. like horror is one of the few genres where, like... The ones that are said to be the best are usually actually really good. So Nightmare on Elm Street is excellent. And Wes Craven doesn't disappoint me. Ever. No, no, so, no, no, no. <laughs> no, it's so good. I mean, Freddy Krueger is just this disgusting-looking guy. He's just yeah. unique character design. Mm. Robert England does such a good job. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you know, you clearly like Wes Craven, so there's no reason that you shouldn't see that. Him and John Carpenter are really just. Uh, you don't get better than that. No, you don't. Although Wes Craven's dead, so that's really sad. Wes Craven's, he's, he's died? He died, When yeah. did he pass away? I think last year, two years ago. Oh. John Carpenter's still alive and kicking, though. He's doing concerts. I <laughs> love so I love all the music in the John Carpenter movies. Oh, they're so good. He does it himself. He but, really yeah. does. He Have, does it all. You've seen It Follows, right? Hell yeah. Heck I yeah. I love yes. that. Uh, yeah, it's excellent. The soundtrack for that movie is so John Carpenter-esque. Oh, yeah, it's very evocative of him. But it's cool. You know, the, the artist who did the music for It Follows, I think, did a bunch of video games beforehand. Oh, it's, isn't it like, this is wrong. Isn't it like Tangerine Dream or something like that? No, or like it has some fruit. Or am I thinking, you know, I think maybe the one I'm talking about actually was an 80s horror thing. I think they might have soundtracked. Actually, I don't know. Maybe like some Abel Ferrara movies. Who can say? I'm ready. It's a uh, disaster piece. Oh, never heard of them, but called. wow, what a great name. Yeah, really cool I name. love that. I would love to have just a mononymal name that's also a pun. I think that's just the way to go. It is. Yeah. I, I, I guess we should get going, but I wanted to <laughs> drop in that plug for It Follows and the soundtrack for It Follows. Since we're not doing formal recommendations, we have to do just a right. lot of to oblique do, ones. We have to do some laid back recommendations. We have to do some laid back, some chill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's what people come to the podcast for. Is that is chill. what they come for. <laughs> <laughs> So, Scream 2, this was, what, the 60th time you've seen it, or what? I don't know what number it is. I Because I first saw it, I think, in 2011 
and I watch it multiple times per year. Is this a you know? movie that you watch like on Halloween with friends or? I feel like I'll do this thing where I'll just get in this mood. I'm like, I need to watch all the Scream movies except Scream 3. I hate that movie. But all the <laughs> other ones, might as well just sit down and watch them all. Did Wes Craven do Scream 3 as well? He's in them all, yeah. Mm. His name is attached to, I think, I could be wrong, but I think Scream 4 was his last movie. But I'm a huge fan. This I The Scream movies in general were... I wouldn't say they were like the first horror movies I saw, but early on in my movie watching careers, they were kind of the first few that I could stomach because they're kind of, there's a lot of horror elements, but they are more comedies than anything. So I think that was really helpful in helping me kind of get used to this horror atmosphere and then I could build off that. Yeah, it's very much soft horror. Yeah, it's very fun. And it doesn't take itself seriously at all. If you don't like horror movies that much, you'll probably like the Scream movies. So that's what I thought. Or if you really like the horror movie genre a lot, you'll probably like Scream because it's just kind of parodying it and making fun of it. That's the thing is I feel like the Scream movies are really built for anyone, non-horror fans, horror fans. I think anyone can appreciate it. So I think that's why I always come back to it. Probably. Yeah. (laughs) Could you give me like a short recap of what happens in the first Scream since I am lame and have not seen it and I jumped in here at Scream 2? I'll try to be succinct, sure. So in the first one, what happens is I might get a couple details wrong because I haven't seen the first one in a really long time. But this girl, Sydney Prescott, before that movie starts, her mom and I think her boyfriend are murdered and it's kind of seen as like a revenge sort of thing. And so... The first movie, it kind of happens right after that, and then it turns out the killer's not finished, I guess. And so it's kind of just like the typical slasher scenario where Sydney Prescott, who's played by Nev Campbell, she's at the center of all this madness because her mom, you know, was murdered, and her friends are kind of picked off one by one while she's also trying to figure out who the killer is. And that movie was really groundbreaking at the time just because horror movies by them were really dependent on slasher movies and sequels and it wasn't really taken as seriously and so by doing this kind of self-referential made a thing they renewed interest and people really liked the comedy elements right Um, wasn't it at that right before the first screen movie came out wasn't there just kind of a long period where the the horror genre was just kind of dead and it was like a lot of things were just kind of direct to video yeah direct to video a lot of sequels a lot of kind of just run-of-the-mill slashers yeah I mean, there are like a couple highlights as there always is, you know, in every decade, but definitely a slow period during that time. So that was a really big hit. And then, so the second movie that we're talking about today, uh, it takes place a little bit after that movie happens. Sydney is now in college and there are a couple surviving characters from Scream 1, Gail Weathers, who is a news person who was involved in the shenanigans in the first one, and then Officer Dewey Riley, who was kind of a terrible law enforcer that somehow survived the first movie's events. And they tell you how terrible he is by giving him the worst mustache oh, like so in cinema history. David Arquette just reminds... I mean, he seems like a very nice man, but just, he gives me <laughs> kind of rat vibes, you know? It's a little like a bit... a little weasel. little weasely, which I, makes, I think maybe they might have done that too to make him almost seem like a red herring because he kind of does seem... Oh, yeah, and that's one know, of the... F- first notes i have in here i just wrote i don't trust the mustache man (laughs) exactly yeah so the second one is her in college and it seems like killings are starting again and it might be not the original killers because the original killers died in scream one it might be the work of copycat killers who are trying to play up the publicity (laughs) this is like the most complicated things this movie is so self-referential right but in scream two a movie (laughs) 
based on the events in Scream 1 is being released. Right, and because so, the journalist who we were just talking yeah, about, Gail Weathers. Gail Weathers, wrote a book called like the Prescott Murders about or, yeah, the, the stories. Woodsboro, I think the Woodsboro the, Murders, yes, the, yeah. Yeah, because the character's name is Prescott, excuse yeah. me. Um, <laughs> the, the Woodsboro Murders, she writes a book and then the book is adapted into a movie. Yeah. So the, the opening, so, it's great. And like the opening crazy. of Scream 2 is this couple, Jada Pinkett Smith and who's the other actor, Omar Epps. Yeah. Uh, they go to uh, the movie theater to s- they're on a date to see uh, the movie adaptation of the Woodsboro mm-hmm. murders which is called Stab it's so good he's <laughs> called Stab and there's all these maniacs in the theater <laughs> who are all wearing the ghost face mask mm-hmm. and these you know black cloaks and they've all got it's the most 90s thing ever and Wes Craven <laughs> captures just like the disgusting commercial aspect of like 90s aesthetic in the yeah. greatest way possible because all these guys and girls I assume are walking around where holding these plastic <laughs> fake like stab knives yeah. that are that are glow in the dark and in the theater there are black lights shining all <laughs> over the place and they all have these green blades uh-huh. they're waving them around and while they're watching the movie these guys are all like jumping up and down and yeah. going like oh yeah <laughs> there's a great part where where Gina Pinkett Smith's character gets up to go to the bathroom and when she goes these two dorks like fly down the stairs uh, mm-hmm. And they're just jumping around, and one of them just goes, Haha, "Yeah, I'll stab you, man!" <laughs> and <laughs> it's crazy. And that's just like the only bit of dialogue that kind of gets amplified yeah. on that walk. It's yeah. it's great. It's very. It reminds me a lot of the way some of the background characters in Lady Bird talk. Just like, mm-hmm. oh, that was very baller of you, man. <laughs> Stuff like that. It's good, and I I like the opening in general too because. Jade and Omar both kind of comment how in horror movies, the black characters or people of color often get killed off first, and they are the first ones that get killed off, Yes, which is a direct comment, which is kind of terrible. But But effective. But but effective, because it's so true, and they're just actually doing that. I kept thinking of... Have you seen Scary Movie, the parody movie? I have. It's been years, but yes, I have, in fact, seen it. I always kind of forget about what's in... Because the Scary Movie movie, (laughs) it parodies both... Uh, Scream 1 and 2 and I kind of always forget about what was in what but then I remembered there's in the opening Omar's character thinks he hears something and the next all over when he goes to the bathroom and then he's like stabbed in the head or whatever but then right yeah because the killer uses a knife to stab through yeah. the the plastic separator between stalls and yeah. stabs him in the it's head it's wild also i can't believe that he knew like exactly where to stab just like perfect like to angle it perfectly to get right in the ear it's very you know impressive of the killer very but in scary movie i forgot and we're like right at this part so i kind of didn't take it seriously but in that one there's like a hole in the stall and like a penis pops out of the hole and that's what stabs that character to death. So oh I kept thinking of that, which is so stupid. Oh my God. But yeah, the whole opening is, yeah, he gets stabbed in the uh, shower and then the killer comes into the theater and stabs Jada Pinkett's character. And then we later find out that they had, the like their names. first and last names were the same names as the original, ki- not killers, the victims. victims in the first movie. So that's how they kind of know that it's, a copycat sort of thing. Right. So anyway, the movie just kind of catches up with Sydney. Same sort of thing. People are picked off one by one, and she has to kind of figure out before everyone dies. But everyone kind of dies, so right. I guess not super effective. But yeah. But she survives. Gail Weathers survives, and Dewey survives. Actually, those three characters are the I think the only ones who make it throughout all the movies. So that's kind of a weird so they're thing in for, like three and four yeah that's a weird thing for horror movies though to like have three characters make it to everything because i feel like even the core characters even if it's just one don't even make it all right. the way through so 
good for them. <laughs> Before we move on, can you explain the joke that is the the character who's playing the other character in the movie Stab at the beginning? Oh, yeah. Because you tried to explain it to me over text, and I kind of laughed at it, but I wasn't quite sure. Well, there are two jokes. So the opening of Stab is basically the exact same way Scream 1 opens. So the uh, Heather Graham character that you see in her house running from the killer in the first movie, that was Drew Barrymore's character. I don't know if you've seen that scene. It's kind of become iconic, I guess, because it was the opening to that movie. And it, w- it featured, you know, an A-list actress getting killed off within the first five minutes, basically. So that's a parody of that. And then they just obviously make it a lot more horror movie. So, like, her house, like, all the exterior walls are windows. Everything's basically. made of glass. Yeah, everything's yeah. made of glass. And she, like, won't run away from, like, run away from the house. Like, the killer's inside her house. And she's just, like, outside not doing anything, basically. So there's a parody of that. That's kind of an in-joke. And then there's a joke that crosses over in the first movie. Um, someone's talking to Sydney and is saying, like, oh, like, who do you think would play you uh, if they were to make a movie based on what's happening right now? And she was like, oh, well, with my luck, they're going to cast, like, Tori Spelling or something. And so in this movie, they <laughs> highlighted TV during this, like, Entertainment Tonight thing, and Tori Spelling is playing Sydney oh, that's <laughs> in excellent. this adaptation with, like, Luke Wilson playing Sydney's boyfriend with this terrible wig. With a terrible wig. Which is exactly how the guy in the first movie's hair is. So it's just <laughs> everything is making fun of itself. Yeah, it's Luke, so Luke Wilson's wig in that scene, he really does look like uh, he'd be hanging out with the Avengers. He it's looks so like he funny. could be with Black Widow. So I think that was literally, was that one of my notes? I think I just put like bullet point Luke Wilson's wig. Yep. That's it. <laughs> right there under the Tory Spelling joke. Wow. Yeah. I, my note is similar. It just says Luke Wilson's hair. Yes. And the it's yes great. is underlined. He looks great. There's even a joke, too. They said that, like, David Schwimmer was playing someone in the Stab movie and, like, Courtney Cox is in this movie. And then there's, like, another joke where there were, like, nude photos released of Gail Weathers, apparently. And then she's like, oh, that wasn't me. That was just my head attached to Jennifer Aniston's body. So there's just... (laughs) This movie's so loaded. It's too much. (laughs) It is. I don't know if this was intentional. And I hope you don't take this as me being mean. Because I know you like this movie a lot. And I'm, I'm I'm not trying to say that I didn't like this movie. The movie is not especially beautifully shot. No, it's kind it's, of flatly shot. It's yeah, it's very flat. Yeah. It's not terribly exciting. It's kind of like almost re- like very just kind of realistic. Yeah. The colors are pretty muted. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if it's like not heavily dramatized so that mm-hmm. you can really focus on the dialogue and the fact that they're parodying everything. Oh, I think so. But no, it, it's just it was a funny thing I noticed. I was like, man, this is I th- I thought it was going to be so much more dramatic. I don't know why uh-huh. I expected it to be. Yeah. But. Yeah, I feel like here, I mean, usually I'm not a fan of flatly shot movies that are kind of, you know, produced unimaginatively, but I don't know, I think here because the dialogue is so sharp and the drama really, for the most part, is pretty action-packed. I don't feel like there was, like, necessarily a big need for decoration and all this cinematography sort of thing that was so vague, but (laughs) yeah, I think... Here, the flatness is fine. I'll excuse it. Yeah, this movie does a good job, too. I think, I mean, the comedic sequences are obviously great. There's one part toward the beginning where there's a film discussion or, like, a film class, and the characters are discussing how sequels are terrible, usually. Right. Which is so great because it's, you know, commenting on itself. But even then, I mean, the comedic sequences are really good, but I think all of the more horror-oriented things are really well done as well. So Sarah Michelle Gellar plays a character in this movie, which we both, I think... That's like such a defining thing in this movie because we both love her so much. Yeah, it was kind of odd for me. You know, I haven't seen Sarah Michelle Gellar in much except for Buffy the Vampire Slayer, yeah. which is one of my the favorite best. shows it's so ever. Good. 
But it's so weird because, I mean, spoiler alert, this movie came out in 1997, but she <laughs> does not make it. No. Um, she's one of the first to go. I think she is. Is she the first of, like, she's the first, Sydney's yeah, circle, Sydney's kind circle. of? Yeah. But it's so bizarre to see Buffy the Vampire Slayer get picked up by a bad guy and thrown off a I balcony. Know. I was like, this can't be it's happening. Insane. That's not right. She's the Slayer. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> but yeah, that scene, I think, is really suspenseful. But it's also really funny at the same time. Like you Right, have... because they're having the conversation and he like slips in behind them. Yeah. Well, I love, too, like she's on the phone while she's kind of wandering around the house. And her friend's on the phone going like, step, 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 step. Die, 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 die. Did you notice that? It's so good. I did not notice Where she's that. like, she knows that the character's scared, so she's just like taunting her on the phone, kind of, which that's funny. They also like made a point. There, I think in the first movie they like talked about you should never like go upstairs if you're being chased, and that's what she immediately does as she goes to like the top floor of her sorority house, which is dumb. And then there's like a bike on like the third floor, just like in the stairwell, which is a, I think when I first saw this, I was like, oh, that's funny. But now that I'm in college, I feel like that's kind of understandable. <laughs> yeah. But it's all pretty tongue in cheek for the most part, like that sequence. And then there's a sequence later on that involves Gail Weathers and Dewey sneaking into this, what is it? Like a, it's like a lecture hall. And then there's this big kind of stock and slash sequence uh, and like a sound recording room that's really suspenseful as well. So you, I think the movie does a really good job being, I wouldn't say scary, but legitimately like you are nervous in the same ways that you would be watching a horror movie. They Such a good balance of that and the humor. Like it's a parody, but it's still scary enough to be classified as a horror movie, I think. Which okay, is, it strikes a nice balance. Yeah, which is what I've always liked about these movies. Like they do, they are really funny and self-aware. And I mean, they still like pander to all the cliches, but they at least seem aware of the cliches and know that they're going to have to cater to those to, you know, generate big reactions. Right. So, yeah, you know, I think the movie hits most of what we've talked about. Do you remember remember what episode we talked about horror movie tropes and what you're not supposed to do? I don't remember. It might have been Halloween because I feel like that was kind of. I think you're right. Yeah, because I know that was. I haven't done too many horror movies, I feel like, but that was definitely one. I think it must have been Halloween. mm -hmm. Um. Because on our list, we said, if you're in a horror movie, don't have sex, because that's mm-hmm. a quick way to get killed. Also, listen to the instincts of children and animals was one. That yeah. didn't come up in here. No. Definitely don't go upstairs as one. <laughs> a big one is also, if you feel like you're being stalked, don't just look left and right and forward and backward. Also, look up at the ceiling. Mm, that's yeah. a good one. Yeah. Learn that one from Alien. Yeah, um, very true. But there's got, I mean, I'm sure if you just go through, I'm sure Scream 1 does this a lot as well. Yeah. If you go through this movie, you could probably generate a very long list of the things. You know, there's the mm-hmm. one part uh, where the, the two women are in the car with the killer. Oh, I love that scene too. That was it's another great. example of the because scary stuff. They knock him out because he, he crashes the car and he's knocked out and they have to climb over him to get out of the vehicle. And they both climb out and then one of them is like, we have to go back. We got, I've got to know who the killer is. I have to go back. And the other one's like, no, no, no. That's the first, that's the thing we're not supposed to do. If we go back, people who go back die. Yeah. And then they go back and one of them dies. Yeah. The one who didn't go back is the one who dies. The one who thought she had common sense. So the expectation is still subverted there, but the trope is still highlighted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There is a scene I should have mentioned in Scream 1 where... Uh, Randy's character, he also survived in Scream 1. He's in this movie for a little while, and then he dies. But in most of his scenes, he's the one kind of explaining cliches, whatever, because he's like the movie nerd. But in Scream 1, there is a scene where they're at a party, and he's kind of listing a bunch of different tropes. And there's one moment where he says, like, never say, like, never go off alone and say, I'll be back because you'll die, basically. Right, never split up. Yeah, and then, like, he says... 
he like says that line and then the character goes like I'm gonna go get a beer I'll be right back and then everyone's <laughs> like ha 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 and he doesn't die which is good yeah but all the all the movies are really clever Scream 3 is dumb and I think the reason why is because it was written it wasn't written by Kevin Williamson who wrote Scream 1 and Scream 2 He's really known for, I think he was really heavily involved with like Dawson's Creek. So I think in terms of 90s teen stuff, he was very with it. And I think they didn't have him for the third one. So that's why that's terrible. And I'm pretty sure he returned for Scream 4, which is why 1, 2, and 4 are lit. <laughs> so Speaking of like Dawson's Creek and 90s teen stuff, uh-huh. I feel like just 90s kind of everything permeates this movie. Oh, I love in, it. In kind of like the trashier way, uh-huh. you know, in the fun trashier way. <laughs> oh, um, of course. But one of the things that I noticed really early on is product placement Mm -hmm. uh, is throughout the movie. (laughs) And it's very obvious. One of the earliest lines of dialogue is Jada Pinkett Smith in the movie theater goes to get some food. Mm -hmm. So she goes to the concession stand and she says, I'd like uh, medium popcorn, no butter, and a Diet Coke. (laughs) So she she throws in Diet Coke there. Later on, I noticed a lot of bottles of uh, Dos Equis sitting around in some like fraternity. And then... Uh, the cameraman shows up with a box of Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, wow. Later in the movie. So at least, I, I saw at least three, but I'm sure yeah. there was probably more. I didn't even notice. I feel like I'm so oblivious to product placement, unless it's like the Josie and the Pussycats movie, which like makes a joke out of product placement. It has like McDonald's tiles in the bathroom. But I just, I guess that's just the media training me to just not notice these things. Right. It's like every episode of Seinfeld, you look at his cabinet and he's got like 17 different brands of cereal. <laughs> as one should. Yeah. Gotta have as much cereal as possible when I'm, you're living alone. <laughs> well, I think you have to have as much cereal as, cereal as possible when you live next door to Kramer and he that's could come true. in and eat all of it. That's at true. Any second. You never yeah. know. You gotta do have, have a lot of guests. I have a lot of guests. So. <laughs> a lot of guests. Yeah. <laughs> My biggest regret. I have to say about watching this movie is that I watched it by myself. I I really (laughs) wish I would have had friends over to watch this. And Mm. I'd recommend that if anybody is listening and is interested in seeing it from listening to us talk about it, Uh, that they get together a group to watch it. It's really fun. I still, I always have a really good time watching it alone, but I think what time I've watched it, I think I watched it maybe with like my sister and cousin once because I kind of forced them. I was like, the scream, I think it was right when I got into them and I was like, these are really good and they're really funny. We all just got to sit down and I feel like they made it for most of the because i wanted to watch them all basically except three so it was <laughs> i think they maybe made it through two so that's good i have this impression and this might be wrong does the first screen movie kind of all take place in one house no it's no. like kind of all around the woodsboro town that they reference a lot throughout this movie which okay. is sydney's hometown and all her that's where all her high school friends are and everything so yeah. what is that one movie with the home invasion with the creepy people who are wearing the masks do you know what I'm talking about? Glenn Howerton so from Glenn Howerton from oh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is in it. He's in it for like a minute. He he doesn't make it too long. Hmm. I don't know. My brain almost wanted to say like horrible bosses, but I don't think that's right. That I would know he, not be it. That's not Glenn Howerton either. That's like Charlie something. Yeah. Who's also in that show? Day. But it's not him. No. So I don't know. Hmm. I can't remember. You're what gonna it is. have to find it and let me know. Yeah. I always love a good home invasion thriller. Yeah. I just watched that terrible Gabriel Union one, which I think I talked about in the last episode. I think you so might have mentioned I need, it. I hope the one you're talking about is good so I can kind of um, refresh myself. It was fine. Oh, dang. <laughs> it's no It Follows. Oh, that's true. It's not no It Follows. The best home invasion movie, I'm just going to plug this, is uh, You're Next from 2013. Everyone watch that. You're Next. Okay. I have heard of that. It's so good. I'll check that out. You got to do it. Mm. Anyway. <laughs> have you seen, you must have seen Cabin in the Woods. Yes, that's another really good kind of self-referencing one as Self-referencing well. Self-referencing kind of 
makes fun of all the tropes. Literally, that that movie lays out each character at the end and basically tells you flat out what their archetype <laughs> is, which is so excellent. It's, it's amazing. Like the virgin, the whatever, the mm-hmm. whatever, the whatever. But the way they lay it all out is so good. I'm still so sad that I was too young to see it when it came out in theaters because I remember seeing it just on my TV. I think I rented it. And it was like, this would have been so much more fun had I seen it, you know, on a huge screen. But I guess you can't sneak it when you're like, 14 so <laughs> i don't know if i saw that in the theater or not i can't remember i don't think it made i think it was kind of a a cult sort of thing like i don't think very, very many people saw it in theaters and then when it was on dvd then people kind of started to realize that it was dope <laughs> i love that because it's it's like horror fantasy but also has that little kind of hint yeah, of that sci-fi comedy. well i think and a lot of comedy didn't yeah. joss whedon i think he wrote it so it like I think has, he may have produced it <sighs> his fingerprints are all over oh it, yeah though. it's so joss well, uh, Blake, I think we've just about reached the point in the episode where you regale us with your fun facts. I think it is time. I have so many fun facts. I feel like this show could go on for three hours. Good. No, just kidding. I will try to. I'll try to not be too slow, not be too fast. You know, just right. Um, we've right. been going for half an hour. Good for us. We're wow. killing it. It feels like it's been 10 minutes. So yeah, I know. We're just, we've hit the jackpot. So this was greenlit while Scream was still playing in theaters. It was kind of a box office hit pretty soon after it was released. And so they kind of realized they had something on their hands. Also, the reviews were like really, really good when it came out back then. Like Scream 1 and Scream 2, uh, like Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel both loved it. And they famously did not really like horror movies in general. So Big deal, big moment for 90s horror. That's, um, you know, it's so odd. And this this is what really frustrates me about the, the internet and like movies and how they're rated now. Uh-huh. Is that old movies now appear on Rotten Tomatoes or on IMDb. And you can see films that are like Scream. Scream 2 on Metacritic is like a 68. What? Yeah, you, the face wow. you made is correct. Boo. It's like a, a 68, <laughs> which is wrong. And I think it's, <laughs> which so, is wrong. it's, it's stupid that... <laughs> Because of the way that that's all calculated, that we see these kind of aggregated scores and go, man, th- I mean, sh- I'm sure that there are people who are like, I want to watch Scream, and they see that, and they're like, oh, maybe I don't want to watch it. People oh. who would probably <laughs> enjoy it. When you think about it, like, if you if you could kind of time capsule it and see these mm. actual reviews from back then in a more accurate representation, yeah. you'd say, I might want to actually see this. Yeah. I feel like with both Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic, though, lately, like, as for me with Rotten Tomatoes, if it's, like, higher than a 40 I'll usually check it out. Like, I'm not super... I don't really pay attention that much to them. Like, I think if it's, like, overwhelmingly negative, then I'll be like, okay, maybe I shouldn't watch this. But if it's, like, kind of mixed, I'm like, okay, I'll give this a chance because there's enough positive things. Right, you know, and I'm, I'm not going to say this to try and make it sound like, oh, we're more cultured. But, I mean, <laughs> I think that part of the reason that you can look at something that's, like, a 40% and say, yeah, I'll check that out mm-hmm. is just because you watch a lot of movies. I yeah, think true. a lot of people are more... Um, Stingy is the wrong word. Maybe more selective or have less time to dedicate to watching movies or just personally allocate less time to that. Mm -hmm. So I can see why they might be swayed by a 68 to say, no thanks. Well, and movies are so expensive too that you'd rather pay for something that like has a higher chance of being something that you like. So it's understandable. But yeah, Uh, I feel like- I will take this moment to plug your local library, which will have a gigantic collection of DVDs for you to peruse. That's true. It's, 
I think like libraries are so underrated in terms of DVDs. They got them all. I'm People sad. Just gotta do it. I'm not going to have access to a UW library. What are you going to do? I don't really use it. I, I use probably it should. constantly. Wow. I've checked so out good. so many movies from there. Wow. Almost 100% of my movies come from the Damn. library. Yeah. Good job. You're you really gotta. supporting UW. <laughs> and if you don't have it, and if you look and they don't have it on there, you can just click, click a little drop down box and it's like request. And then they'll wow. send it from, sometimes they'll send it from like Reed College in Oregon, or sometimes wow. they'll send it to you from Bothell or Dang. like Bellevue. They'll send it all the way to Tacoma. I think yeah. I'd be more swayed if I like got it in the mail. Like I could order it from the library and they would just like <laughs> mail it to me because I'm so lazy. I don't want to walk in. You don't. But and then get but, it. But then the <sighs> excitement is that when you finish, you get to walk back to the little Dropbox and act like you're returning videotapes. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, it's great. It's the 90s again. It does, it's a throwback. <laughs> yeah, it's just like you're in the movie screen, too. <laughs> All right. Back to my fun facts. <laughs> that was a fun tangent. Yes. It was a got? great tangent. I was a huge fan. Um, so the cast was not informed of the identity of the killer or killers. Ooh. I mean, I could spoil it later. Ooh. Who cares? Um, <laughs> until the last day of photography. Also, they didn't receive the last 10 pages of the script until they were, like, actually filming the scene basically and they were i guess the 10 scenes were also scripted on gray paper and so that if like someone tried to duplicate them that like the text wouldn't show up and all the cast members had to sign like confidentiality contracts basically so like this is some marvel level shite going on here yeah. so which makes sense because another thing that happened with this movie is the original script which had i think it was sydney's boyfriend and her friend were the original killers and then that was leaked online so they had to totally rewrite it so probably smart of them. There's one scene in Kevin Williams' screenplay that is just described as Wes Craven will make it scary. So good for that's pretty good. I would imagine <laughs> Kevin Williamson probably would have a tough time, you know, writing a scene of suspense since he is known for teen dramas and comedies. So and that's a whole different kinds of suspense. Yeah, that's probably. Like, yeah. Teenager stuff. You got to leave it up to Wes. It's important. Sarah Michelle Geller signed up for the movie before reading the script, and I think I mean this came around like right when. I think either before Buffy's, it was before Buffy started or like right when it started, like it was really just, 1997 was a big year for her. So Williamson had the idea for the sequel while he was writing the script for Scream 1 because he figured there was just so much to expand on. Um, and it was like photography started only six months after like the first one was completed filming. So wow. they really quick turn around there. So like most movies, when they have someone on the phone, they'll just like have the actor pretend to be talking to someone and then put in the voice later. But Craven really wanted it, really wanted the actors to seem genuinely scared. So what he would do is he would have the person who did like the killer's voice, he would have them like hide somewhere on set and then he would just like do it in a microphone. So like the actor wouldn't see where he was, but like knew they were, you know, around. So that elicited some more fear. And I guess all the actors were kind of scared of the quote unquote voice, except Sarah Michelle Geller, who would like talk to him on the phone kind of and like a fun friendly sort of way so good for him <laughs> robert rodriguez directed the scenes of stab the movie within the movie oh of course he did because this is a dimension film yeah that's very oh, rodriguez um yeah he did the yeah the scenes that you see in the opening with heather graham and then the one where uh tori spelling and luke wilson are talking which are so i would love to see like them you know without all the little interruptions i'd like to see it just play through completely that'd be really fun did you ever see El Mariachi? I never saw it. I, I think saw, I may have asked you that before. I think you might have. I've only seen Once Upon a Time in Mexico, which is probably dumb because uh, it's like the well, third in the, the trilogy. Is that the right? third? I think that, it's second or third. doesn't matter. I think it's third. Yeah. I've seen that and Sin City and the Spy Kids movies. Even Sin City 2, which no one liked, including me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, the movie was filmed, at least the outdoor scenes were filmed at Agnes Scott College, which is a women's college in Atlanta. Reese Witherspoon and Alicia Silverstone were both considered for Sarah Michelle Gellar's part. That would have been really interesting to see one of them, but I yeah. guess R.E.P. didn't I was about happen. To say, they film everything in Atlanta. They really do. You know, I always like wonder. I wish they would. I'm sure there are like compilations of like a really popular setting they use in movies, and they just like put like all the scenes of all these different movies filmed in kind of this one spot that have been said to be other places. It must be especially weird to live in Vancouver because I know oh, yeah. every movie, Vancouver, is, like, everything is. Vancouver I feel like Canada, Canada in general is just like used a lot for a lot of shows. Wonder why. Uh, it's cheaper to film in Canada than in the oh, US. Oh, well, that's, there you go. Yeah. You got me covered there. That's why. You're like human Google. Beep boop. It's me, <laughs> human Google. Um, Timothy Oliphant, this was his first leading role Oliphant? in a feature film. Is that how you say it? What Is did it I Oliphant? Say? I don't know. How is it spelled? It's like Ola, like Olympia, and then Fant, like P-H-A-N-T. Wow. What am so I like, saying? Am I saying like Oliphant? I wasn't making fun of how you were saying it. It just sounds like <laughs> I Oliphant. have no idea. He's on that show Justified, right? I never saw that, I but know. I know that's like one of his claims to fame. I know in The Lord of the Rings, the second one, the big elephants that the guys ride around on are called Olifants. Oh, I was thinking, you were, I thought you were going to say like he was in that and he wrote an no. elephant. His last gonna... name is a character of wow. the elephants in that. That's exciting. Good for him. Yeah. That's his legacy. So what were you saying about him? <laughs> oh, this is just his, his first leading role. In a feature film. Oh, good for him. And he, this is a big role for him. He is, spoiler alert, one of the killers. And he gets a lot of juicy monologuing where he gets to act wild. Yeah, so. and he's got quintessential 90s hair. Oh, it's great. It's very spiked. It, it seems is. like it could, if you fell on it from a high distance, you could get stabbed. Yeah, it looks like he spent a lot of time with the blow dryer. Yeah. Relatable. We've all been there. So Nev Campbell at the time was also on this show called Party of Five, which... I've never watched my parents, I guess, were very dedicated watchers. I guess it's in the same vein as like 90210 and Melrose Place. Anyways, she would shoot that on Mondays and Tuesdays during the day and then would spend Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday on Scream 2, which were mostly at night. And then on Sundays, she would work all night until 6 a.m. and then go home for 15 minutes to shower off like fake blood and stuff and then immediately go to Party of Five without sleeping. So, working woman. That is horrendous <laughs> terrible also Nev Campbell I feel like she should be in more things she's a great actress face I feel like she's very expressive I think she's underutilized I'm a big fan yeah what's she doing after filming Jada Pinkett Smith sent Wes Craven a set of stick knives Sarah Michelle Geller <laughs> Sarah Michelle Geller and Jerry O'Connell dated during shooting who did uh, Jerry O'Connell play he plays uh Sydney's boyfriend who dies oh. Like he's everyone like the, in this movie. He, had, he dies on the cross, right? He dies on the cross. He's and the he big, also... He's the big hunk man. God, and then I like text you. There's this scene where he like jumps on the cafeteria table and sings I Think I Love yeah. You by the Partridge Family. And oh, it's so man. bad. It's terrible. It's so bad. Why does he do that? I don't know. I think he was like trying to convince her to like not break up with him. But like, I don't know if I were him and you're dating this girl who has, you know, being chased by a killer who, you know, history has shown will kill other people who are associated with her, I would probably listen to her if she said, you should break up with me, but he doesn't. So. Because he's the other killer. <gasps> no, he's not. But originally yeah. was going to be. So they make you red think, herring. They make you think that he is. Another good red herring. Yeah, there's a part where he gets cut with a knife. And they're like, how did they miss all of the major arteries? Hmm. But he's not the killer. Hmm. So he just got lucky, I guess. It was originally scheduled to open alongside Tomorrow Never Dies, which is a great James Bond movie that I think is underrated, and Titanic. What? 
Is that the one where they go to the ice castle? No, that's uh, Die Another Day. Die Another Day. Oh, man. Tomorrow Die Another Dies Day I was so into as a oh, kid, but so, that movie is It's so awful. bad. Tomorrow Never Dies is the one with Michelle Yeoh, who's like such a kick-ass. I love her so much. She's in like yeah. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and she like does yeah. as much action stunt work as Pierce Brosnan does, and it's so lit. Die Another Day has Halle Berry in it, right? Yeah. As, yeah. What's her name? Jinx? Yeah, I yeah. think so. She's in it. I uh, remember because Pierce Brosnan meets her on the beach, and of course she's like wearing the tiniest bikini ever and she comes out of the water <laughs> and he just goes mojito in like the grossest Ugh, possible way terrible he was way too i mean i'm glad they kind of booted him out before he got like too too old he's kind of like right on the cusp of being like terrible and then he's <laughs> gone also that movie has a madonna cameo that i'll never forget but we'll move on um, <laughs> man we should have done some bond movies i know we should have um so a total of 34 movies are viewed mentioned or referenced in this movie which I believe it. There's um, so many references to other movies. Aliens. Empire Strikes Empire Back. Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> Boy, look at us go. We're, we got two of them. Good for us. Ev- like everything that's a sequel. Yeah. Pretty much anything. Oh, The Godfather Part 2. That's true. Because um, the kid does, the, does they, the impression. Did they say Terminator 2? They do say Terminator 2. Okay. I don't. Well, people can. People who are listening can watch it and then just kind of write it down. Yeah. Let us know. Those are my fun facts. There was a lot. There were a my lot. My throat, it's so dry. Just really. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love the whole sequels discussion. Oh, it's in this so movie. good. Sequels are never as good. They even <laughs> reference it later on in the movie. There's a party and some of the kids who are having the discussion, uh, one of them says, oh yeah, Empire Strikes Back, by the way, that's the one that's better. <laughs> yeah. Like, and it was like, it's more interesting than the original, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, and then someone's like, yeah, and the Return of the Jedi with the dummy walks or whatever. Like, oh, just... yeah, he was like, yeah, Return of the Jedi. And the, one, somebody's like, oh, yeah, I like the, I like the little furry bears. He's like, they're, they're called Ewoks, and they're the worst. Or yeah. he's like, they suck. <laughs> it's amazing. It's all amazing. I kind of like the Ewoks. I also love what this movie, I tweeted about it. Um, so, obviously, Timothy Oliphant, however you say it, he's one of the killers. He... What's his connection? Is he related to someone or he just wanted attention? He just wanted attention, I think right? He just wanted attention. But he was enlisted by the killer in the first movie, uh, his mom, who's played by Laurie Metcalf. So it's Laurie Metcalf and Timothy Oliphant. And Laurie Metcalf in this movie is a reporter. Oh, she's. <laughs> I was about to really react. And then you were like, she's a reporter. <laughs> she's a reporter. She's kind of Gail Weathers' rival, who Gail's like so mean to for, I feel like, no reason. Also, yeah. Courtney Cox is just so powerful in this movie she yeah. just has a huge ego she has terrible highlights very bad There's a hair <laughs> great moment where nev campbell punches her in the face for trying to like exploit her tragedy which was lit but back to Lori metcalf so she's not a reporter so was it i guess it was like kind of intimated that she killed the real reporter and then she like posed as her yeah <sighs> imagine that poor reporter you're just chilling and then some crazy person who wants to kill people is like write a story about geese I know. She's probably so nice and kind. But anyway, she's the killer and God, that performance, like I'm that's best supporting actress level in my opinion. Lori Metcalf is awesome. Who needs Lori Metcalf and Ladybird when you have her in Scream Two outdoing uh I don't know the mom's name in Friday the thirteenth, but that's imagine that that's what Lori Metcalf is doing times seventy seven. <laughs> Like yeah. she yeah. goes for it and is so good. <laughs> I, she is. There were just no, so many things that made me feel really powerful in this movie. And she made me feel powerful. Courtney Cox made me feel powerful. It was great. I'm going to read your tweet. 
you said, because it was on Mother's Day when you tweeted this. Yeah. You just said, speaking of moms, Lori Metcalf really went all out and screamed. She too. did. <laughs> she went all out. And every time someone would try to talk um, shite about her son, she'd be like, what did you just say? And then like try to kill them. So she really, you know, protective mothers, she really went above and Beyonce. So, you know, good for her. Did you say but above also, and Beyonce? I did say that. But I would say good for her, but also no, because you shouldn't kill people. But, you know, right. it's good to protect your kids. Maybe not to that level. Speaking of <laughs> motivations for murderers, uh, there's a <laughs> Where bit. Where is this going? I'm scared. Are you scared? Uh, speaking of motivations say? for murderers, you said something on the last episode that made me want to kill you, and it's happening right now. <laughs> ah, no, um, my uh, lungs. You stabbed <laughs> them. I'm bleeding <laughs> all over the microphone. Aiden did tell me to lock the door before this, so maybe that's because he's going to murder me. That's true. We had somebody walk in during uh, the Avengers episode. Oh, yeah. And that was a little... That was uh, so good. That was timeless. I still uh, think about that. It got cut out of the episode, but I got a little angry. He did. He turned so red. Um, <laughs> speaking of motivations for murder, there's a there's a bit in this, the same film class discussion scene uh, where they, they talk about this concept of, oh, does watching violence on television and movies perpetuate real-life violence? Does it make yes. people violent? And this is a hot-button issue that comes up, I'd say, probably like once a year in the news yeah. cycle. It's something that comes up and then gets hotly debated. And most people say, no, dude. Yeah, it's, it's such not, a dumb debate. It's not it like not like this is really influencing anything and then there's one concerned like parent who's like my child played a video <laughs> game and it's going to make them crazy yeah that parent 95 <laughs> and their <laughs> yes. child's 12 yeah, somehow they're, they're a thousand years old <laughs> but no it's it was so interesting to see that brought up in like yeah. an actual violent movie but then also a violent movie that is a parody of violence well, like I, in movies I think it was a comment too because there were some murders after Scream 1 came out and I think someone wore like the scream mask and so that was like a debate that even affected scream one so I don't know if that was like a direct reference to that or what it's hard to know since like they were filmed so close together mm-hmm. but you know and it's funny because uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar's character is the one that's like no and then she dies just sad and then the person who says that yes it can affect you is the killer so I did not wow that's interesting yeah, it's true true yeah. facts so <laughs> I don't know if we've had that discussion yet in the news cycle of 2018 We've been a little busy with everything else that's yeah, going on. True. But I'll come out and say it. I don't think that it perpetuates violence. No way. It doesn't. A yeah. movie doesn't make you kill someone. No. It just doesn't make sense. And the same goes for video games. Same goes for video games. Yeah. I have a great time playing actually I don't play any video games, so I can't even use an example of like something violent I've played mm. that affect I guess Super Mario, Smash Bros, whatever. Oh, come on. I mean, you, when I, I mean, played even it when regular I was eight, Mario, you're jumping on people's regular, heads and squishing yeah. them, but you don't do that. I, did, in real I didn't life. jump on anyone's head. So there's, there you go. I bet you've never even thought about jumping on somebody's no. head. Because <laughs> first of all, I'm short. Everyone's taller than me. <laughs> um, but you know, second, that's that's hard. I think you would it's have. You, first of all, you'd have to get up on something, but the person would notice you getting up on something. So it just. It wouldn't work. I'm happy we can get like so into <laughs> to talk about jumping on top yeah. of somebody's head to people, squish them. People have to know that I I promise I would never jump on your head. Whoever's listening, I would never do that. So do you have anything else you want to talk about related to Scream 2? I feel like I covered it all. I'm just going to say, you know, I really recommend Scream 1 as well. And I really recommend Scream 4, which got mixed reviews, but I thought was really great. The opening is so unbelievably good. It's so clever. So I feel like, if anything, just watch it for the opening. But 1, 2, and 4 are amazing. 3, maybe just read the Wikipedia summary. It's just not It's not good. Not good. Not even a little bit. You heard it here first, folks. 
How do you feel about it? What's your final thought? I liked it. I really liked it. That's um, good. I'm happy that that it subverted so many expectations and that it still kind of like played off of them mm-hmm. in a way that wasn't just like, oh, I'm going to do something different just for the sake of doing it different. It was like, mm-hmm. we'll do it different, but we'll also like show you like why. Yeah. So I thought it was very effective mm-hmm. in being parody, satire, but also kind of an actual horror movie that has a twist at the end yeah. with a character who has real motivations and mm-hmm. I mean twisted, but it yeah, makes sense. Real. I, I watch. mean, I guess I'd, I definitely recommend seeing Scream 1 beforehand because I was a little bit confused coming into this one as to who the characters were and kind of what mm. they'd been through already. I was like, I imagine <laughs> they all saw some murders and that's <laughs> like, about all know. I need to know. But <laughs> I'd still, I'd recommend watching 1 and then 2. Definitely watch all the sequels. You got to like keep me updated. You got to be texting me when you're watching them. I will. And, uh, Don't worry. Share your thoughts. Um, I guess I'll also just throw in that, I mean, the Scream movies are a very major part of 90s horror. There's not a ton of, in my mind, there's not a, a bunch of standout 90s horror movies. And so Scream is really the pinnacle of this rebirth of horror. And it did inspire, like, I think movies like I Know What You Did Last Summer and Urban Legend, they kind of tried to play off this, like, clever sort of thing, but no one ever matched what Wes Craven did with Scream. So this is the best. The best. And you can watch it over and over again. I do. And it's great. (laughs) Well, if you want to hear more of us talking about movies, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, our website, uwpodcast.com, or wherever you get podcasts. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, at the Filmcast, and you can find us on our personal accounts, at Aiden Walkerow or at Blake W. Peterson. If you want to write to us and share your thoughts about the show, you can shoot us an email at cinemadventurepodcast at gmail.com, or, you know, tweet at us, whatever you prefer. If you like the show, share it with a friend, give us a little reblog, whatever it is that you do. If you want to follow along with us, next Monday we're going to do one of my picks. We're going to be talking about a movie we mentioned previously in this podcast. We're going to be talking about Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back. Wow. We're really just going with sequels. That's the trend. Episode, yeah, the second one. Okay. That's the one... That's the one with not the Ewoks. That's the one with not oh, the Ewoks. Thank God. It's the one where we get to meet Yoda. Oh, oh, Yoda's not in the first one. That's so sad. No. Yoda's such a... He's quite a man. Or he's being. I don't really know. Does he have a gender? A small green man. A small green man. He's just so wise. His species is unknown. Oh, my God. Yeah. Do you think he's related to Gonzo? Because they're think, both Muppets. I think so. Does oh Gonzo do the or does Gonzo do the voice of Frank Oz? Does <laughs> Frank Oz do the voice of Gonzo? You know what? Let's ask Frank. Frank is very active on Twitter. Or we could go on Wikipedia. I'm sure we could go on Wikipedia. But like Wikipedia, talk to Frank Oz on Twitter. I don't know. That sounds better. <laughs> I'll well, that. yeah. So we'll talk about that next time. Great. Uh, and until then, thank you for listening, and we will catch you later. Thank you. Bye. and other great shows covering sports, science, relationships, and the arts, visit the Soundbites website, uwpodcast.com. That's uwpodcast.com.
Did you know Peruvians have their own type of Chinese food? Or that Vietnamese food is heavily influenced by French cuisine? Have you ever wondered what other cultures' drunk food is like? Explore these topics and more right here on the Soundbite Network. My name is Dee Dee Madigan, and I'm the host of Home Plates, a podcast all about food. Catch up on the first season of Home Plates on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, and Stitcher. New episodes air every Wednesday. Seattle Seahawks have the best offensive line in NFL history. Kyle Seeger is the better Seeger brother. Markel Fultz is the best player on the Sixers. Hashtag trust the process. Okay, we don't actually believe any of these things, but if you want to hear our thoughts on topics like these, tune into the Boxing Podcast with Chris Ankiko, Alec Dietz, and Andy Amashta every Friday on the Soundbite Network.